0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from a hot and humid Ocala, Florida, Rick Schmidt. Rick Schmidt is the vice president and chief operating officer at National Parts Depot, known as NPD stands for one of the largest restoration parts suppliers in the world. They specialize in classic Ford and GM vehicles and have four locations nationwide, offering 12 different retail parts catalogs with thousands of parts for your collector and classic cars. Back when I had my old Mustang, I bought a few parts from them. They were great. Rick's father founded the company in 1976. Oh my, that's the year I graduated from high school. That was a while ago, selling parts from 1955 and 57 Ford Thunderbirds out of his basement. You know what? Rick was only nine at the time, and over the years, he's worked pretty much every job there is in the company. Along the way, Rick's assembled an eclectic collection of over 200 cars, holy cow, and trucks, mostly American, made ranging from 1903, and most of these are unrestored, low mile survivor vehicles. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Rick and NPD about all the fun he's having with old cars. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars out yeah possible. So keep your seatbelt on. We'll be right back. The most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior isn't that drink your kids spilled in the backseat. It's the sun. Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time, they crack your dash, they fade the colors inside your car, and the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you. Their sunscreens are easy to use, they take seconds to install, and they protect your vehicle while parked in the harsh sun. They fold up easily and store away for those times you don't want to use your car cover. I have one for every one of my vehicles and you should too. They come in a variety of colors and options, feature an accordion design that makes unfolding and folding them up a breeze. Want to give a gift that keeps on giving? Buy a sunscreen for your family members and your friends. They're custom made and fit almost any vehicle. Check out Covercraft.com for a huge number of styles, colors, and options that you're sure to love. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH120, that's yeah H One Two Zero at Covercraft.com, you get 10% off your Covercraft order. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code YEAH120 at checkout, and you've got a deal. That's Covercraft.com. Use the code YEAH120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. Get your sunscreen today. You'll thank me for it later. The fourth annual Saratoga Motor Car Auction will take place on Friday, September 18th, and Saturday, September 19th. It will be held at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center in the beautiful Saratoga Spa State Park, located in upstate New York. Presented by the Saratoga Automobile Museum, a not-for-profit institution, this live event continues to be the premier collector car auction for the Northeastern United States. Proceeds from the auctions help support the museum's educational programs and exhibits that engage, educate, and inspire the automotive community. To consign your vehicle, view current inventory, and register to bid, visit SaratogaMotorCarAuctions.org. There you can learn how finance partner JJ Best Bank and insurer partner Haggerty can help put you in your dream vehicle. That's SaratogaMotorCarAuctions.org. Hey, Mark Green here. I want to invite you to a virtual wine tasting event that I'm hosting on Thursday, August 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. You've heard me talk about Adobe Road Wineries, the racing series here on Cargia. Yeah. Well, I've invited some of my fellow automotive enthusiasts and past Cargia yeah guests to this very special exclusive event. And I'm inviting you too. McKeel Haggerty and Wayne Carini will be there to share their love of classic cars. Racer Lynn St. James provides her insights on racing during these crazy pandemic times and the challenges of choosing a best of show from Jeff Love and David Lillywhite, editors of Magneto. They'll be talking about their virtual Concord. When you purchase two bottles of the racing series, you'll get a private invitation to this exclusive Zoom event that centers at Adobe Road Winery, where vintner and endurance racer Kevin Buckler and his winemaker Garrett Martin will share the secrets to their unique racing series wines. Having enjoyed these delicious blends, I promise you, you will love the racing series. Your purchase of two bottles from the racing series gets you in the virtual door. Use the code UNICEF, U-N-I-C-E-F, all one word in all caps when you check out, and you'll get 10% off your purchase of any wine from the racing series. And Adobe Road will be giving 10% of this event sales to UNICEF. Just go to adoberoadwines.com and you'll see where to sign up. The wine ships promptly and it arrives quickly. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code UNICEF when you check out for a very fast and fun evening with me and these wonderful guests Thursday, August 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Hey, Rick, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right, good to have you here. You know, before we start, I want to ask you this. I ask all my guests this. What's one little thing most people may not know about you?
1: Oh, boy, um... I'm, I'm not that uh, exciting or unique of an individual. <laughs> I don't
0: believe you. I don't believe that for one bit. Uh, you know, after interviewing 1,600 people, everybody is special. Everybody's unique. There's got to be one little secret.
1: I guess the, uh, for, for a guy who lives in Florida and who's in his 50s, he, I always feel like I'm kind of unique when I'm out snowboarding in Colorado around all the other kids who are snowboarding. Yeah. But that's what I. Pre- that's the way I prefer to do it. I'm a big snowboarding Oh, cool uh, Fan. So, uh, so uh, maybe that's something that nobody else knows about me.
0: Yeah, well, not too much snowboarding in Florida, that's for sure.
1: No, no, you have to, you have to be, get pulled behind a boat, and uh, and the snow's all melted.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a that's a fun way to go <laughs> snowboarding for sure. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, in our pre-show chat, Rick and I were talking a little bit uh, about the fact that he's been out here to the Pacific Northwest to the All Mustang Roundup, and you kind of enjoyed our atmosphere out here a little bit, right? Not too much heat.
1: Oh, I love it out there. I wish I was there right now Uh, with this uh, COVID uh, craziness going on that we're having to deal with and all the shows shutting down. It it definitely makes me sad because I'd love to be up in the Pacific Northwest uh, driving around in the the mountains in a rental Mustang than, than sitting here stewing in Ocala.
0: Yeah, I understand. Well, they have the old Mustang Roundup here they've had for years, which is great. I've participated in that. So it's a fun event. One day we will be back to usual times here, Rick, and uh, we'll have to get together, have oh, a yes. Pacific Northwest coffee and go for a drive in the mountains. That'll be fun. Well, listen, as we take a journey here through your life, I want to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's important to you. Something that has a meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning a little bit here on Cars. Yeah. So, Rick, grab the wheel.
1: Well, I grew up with so many different mantras, just from my father, but also ones from my grandfather that kind of got passed down through the family. One that always pops to the top of my head, but it's, but it's probably one of the most common ones, is that uh, anything worth doing is worth doing right. Yeah. Um, one that maybe isn't so common is uh, is a, uh, something that uh, the, the gentleman that my dad feels got, gave him his start in the parts business. His name was Varheil. And VAR owned the Lincoln Mercury dealership in our town in Gainesville, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, back when my dad was trying to start National Parts Depot in 1976. And dad was a young guy back then, and nobody would give him the time of day. He wasn't getting any luck with the Ford dealership there, but he needed a parts source. He needed a source to to buy Ford parts as close to bare cost as possible so that he could turn around and resell them. And VAR gave him his chance. He gave him credit and he really helped my dad out with a lot of advice along the way. And my, the one thing that stuck with me is Var told my dad, if you can possibly do it yourself, absolutely avoid avoid ever taking on any partnerships or investors. Yeah. Go your own way. And uh, and my dad has always valued that that piece of information, especially when times got tough and Dad was considering what other things that he could do to help keep him afloat. Uh, yeah. he, he he managed to forge through it without being beholden to anybody else.
0: Very fortunate your dad had that mentor in his life at an early point, and look where things have come now, which are pretty spectacular. Yeah. And I want you to talk more about your brand. I'm really aware of it because way back when I had my Mustang, uh, I knew who you guys were. I've known who you guys are forever and having gone to SEMA over the years. And I was in the catalog business for 20 plus years. So used to get your Mm -hmm. catalogs, know what it takes to put a catalog together and warehouse parts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's a lot of moving pieces of this. Before we talk more about National Parts Depot or NPD, as us locals call it, how have you guys dealt with and fared with? You mentioned this COVID. I've been asking all my guests this. How has it affected your business?
1: It has absolutely shot our business through the roof um good from a from a you know from a totally uh, objective and not subjective standpoint because, uh, because this virus is no joke and there's certainly no joy to be taken in having to deal with this. But there have been, from a business standpoint, winners and losers on this and we've been in the winner column simply because uh, we serve hobbyists. Uh, we are a hobby-driven business. And all of our customers, all of a sudden, and even people who weren't our customers prior... All these stay-at-home orders and all these uh, situations where people have been uh, uh, sitting at home uh, waiting for this virus to pass, they've been looking for something to do and and the typical answer is is the project out in the garage that they've been procrastinating. For months, if not years. And as soon as those stay at home orders started state by state around the country, all of a sudden it was like, it was just like a shot being fired from a cannon. Some of our competitors in this industry have really tripped over their shoelaces. Some have been, unfortunately, headquarters in areas where they haven't even been able to operate. And by some measure of Fantastic luck luck and maybe grace from above, we have been uh, able to safely and with a healthy crew and with uh, all proper uh, procedures put into place, we've been able to continue to operate at 100%. So we have just been chugging as fast as we can to get parts to our customers, so that they can stay busy on their cars while they're stuck at home.
0: I'm so happy to hear that. Oh my gosh! And
1: now, you know, even in the summer, when when uh, when much of the northern part of the country is kind of going, you know, reopened and going back to work and everything, it's still burning strong. I think I think that when I first told you that it caused people to get themselves going on things that they've been procrastinating, mm-hmm. it's human nature that once you get over that first hump. And you really start making some progress again. That it's contagious, and that it and that it builds upon yourself. And you're like, get excited! I can do this. So the parts orders just keep coming in and keep coming in. So uh, my employees are smiling. They're busy. They love it. Uh, everything is uh, is uh, is very strong and very good here. Uh, even though we work every day with the paranoia that uh, that uh, we don't know what tomorrow's going right. to bring. Oh yeah. So, uh, so we're just taking it day by day.
0: Well, that's been one of the challenges. I'm so happy to hear that. Congratulations. And you're very, very fortunate as you know that because this has just devastated so many people. I had Craig Jackson from Barrett Jackson on the show and he said, you know, we've had just over the decades of a lot of different things coming at us and you have too. You've been in this business since you were a little kid. Um, But he said, this one is so different. And he said the same thing. You just don't know what are the rules going to be tomorrow because today they're one thing and then tomorrow they're another. And yeah, you just one day they might just come in and say, nope everybody go home and then come back and now you got to wear full face shields or whatever it might be so i'm yeah. so happy to hear that well let's talk more about your business if you could share with my listeners i don't know if anybody in the car industry never heard of you probably not but maybe there's some that might know of you but don't know how well rounded your business is tell us a little bit more about npd
1: Well, I mean, we sell restoration parts, and restoration parts is anything and everything that can assist you—from parts to the tools to do it, and the materials to do it. For uh, it's all American-made, but for what I would call the more popular makes and models of years of enthusiast vehicles, because reproduction parts only really exists for years, makes, and models that are still alive today in large enough volumes. With enough demand that you can actually make a business case behind uh, spending the money on the tooling and the initial production to build something. The more, And when I say obscure, obscure doesn't mean a worse car or a better car. The fact of the matter is some of the most amazing collectible cars in the world were built in small numbers to begin with and are even, even smaller numbers today and very difficult to restore because the parts availability just isn't there. But when you talk about Mustangs and Camaros and Chevelles and Firebirds, Holy cow, millions were built. They were always uh, cars that were um, coveted by enthusiasts and people who loved cars. So the attrition rate is relatively low. They made it in large numbers to present day. Well, they made it through the 70s. And the gas crunch when a whole lot of really great iron went to its death in junkyards. Yeah. And from the 80s forward, I mean, my dad started out with 557 Thunderbird parts, because that was what he loved and what he knew. He had been driving a fifty-seven Thunderbird since he was in high school. Oh, cool! And he had re- and he had restored that car and another car in the '60s. So he really knew his Thunderbirds. But while Thunderbirds were popular and the parts business was good, as soon as he uh, as soon as he came up on plane and realized he could make a living selling parts, he thought to himself, "What's going to be the next big thing? What can I get the biggest bang of my buck for my effort on?" And he immediately came up with the early Mustangs. And that was the most brilliant decision he could have ever made, because that's really what built the foundation of what is today modern day. Because those classic Mustangs, Ford sold them like hotcakes. So many of them made it to uh, the modern day, and you can build one from the ground up out of reproduction parts. So, uh, but we have Mustang. Then we went to, we're not, you know, people, oh, you're Ford guys. No, 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 we're car guys. Uh, And then as soon as dad would get done with one catalog project, he'd look to the other and he was, and uh, the next one that he did was Chevelles and then Camaros. And then of course, since their platforms are shared, we did Firebird and we did GTO. We got into pickup trucks and we've got parts for both Chevrolet and Ford pickup trucks. And uh What else are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) We're still doing the T Bird parts. You guys do it. We have a Bronco catalog. Well, Broncos. We kind of dipped our toes. We thought we wanted to get into the Mopar uh, market, and there is a Mopar link on our site, but I can just be honest. We were too little too late. I bought a small Mopar business thinking that I could build upon that catalog, and I was naive. I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't realize how complicated, complex, and vast the research is to do a proper job with mopar and by that time I already had a couple other big companies that had already done a very very smart and thorough job of it and at that point just if, if we jumped into the in, into that pie our little slice of the pie would just you know make their lives worse and my life worse so the so the mopar thing we're just trying to sell off the stock that we've got nothing against mopars either I've You know, we love it all. Uh, It was just a a very organic evolution. Each catalog we did was just felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. People will have to understand that it takes years of research and sourcing and uh, discovery. Just to come out with a single parts catalog for a, for a new vehicle line, it just you don't just snap your fingers, bark a couple of orders at some guys in offices down the hall, and zingo, bingo. You know, five <laughs> months later, <laughs> you, you mean it's not that easy. Catalog. <laughs> you can do it that easy, and some have done it that easy. But let me tell you, it's not the right way to go about it. Right. And, uh, we do we do all of our research we don't just uh, uh, you know pick it out of the part store databases and believe what that research is because it's very much faulty so we've always tried to do our research from the ground up out of the factory texts and then use that as the framework and go from there
0: yeah it's pretty phenomenal and you also have tools accessories you have gifts apparel literature phenomenal business. You know, I always ask my guests about a challenge or a failure they face along the way, and it's really more about the learning lesson. So perhaps another person listening out there who's going through something realizes, okay, I'm going to get through this. Fine. Uh, Before I have you dive into something serious, though, a little bird told me a story that when your dad started this business out of the garage... That you actually were the guy that answered the first phone call. And I believe, as I was told, you were said, sorry, you got the wrong number. There's no company like that here. Is that really true? Is that what happened?
1: I was nine years old for the last, because my dad, he used to run my grandfather's uh, pneumatics manufacturing business. Mm-hmm. And him and my grandfather parted ways, I think, around 1974. Then Dad built a machine shop in the basement and started doing piece work for my grandfather at home. And then all of a sudden, he built all this shelving and he was taking photographs of T-Bird parts and he was building a catalog. He's doing all this stuff, but at nine years old, I never put all the pieces of the puzzle together to what the hell dad was up to down in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Nor did he ever really communicate <laughs> with me what he was up to. Yeah. You know, it was just back then I did my thing and he was doing sure. his, you know, full bore. So uh, all of a sudden this telephone that line that had been put in in the office of our, uh, of our home. And, uh, you know, that office was only 25 feet away from our dining room table. And we're all sitting down eating dinner. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. And as a kid, I always liked to answer the phone. Phone rings, I answer it. So it was the new phone that had gone in in the office. So I'd jump up. Before Dad could do anything, I'd jump out of my seat, (laughs) run over there. Guy answers the phone. I answered the phone, hello, and the guy said, is this National Parts Depot? And of course, yeah, I said, uh, no, I think you've got the wrong number. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I hung up the, the phone. <laughs> I go back to the table. Some guy, wrong number calling for National Parts Depot. My dad's eyes looked like <laughs> pie plates. Yeah. And immediately after that, the phone rang again because the guy gave it another try, thinking maybe he fat-fingered the, the you sure. know the dialing or something. Yeah. So uh, so dad got the order, but, uh, but I hung up on the first customer. <laughs>
0: Isn't that funny? Well, let's talk about maybe a more serious. Challenge that you faced, something that uh, taught you a different lesson. Uh, if you can walk us through something, but more, again, more importantly, what was the lesson learned there? So take us on a little journey.
1: Oh boy, I I know what my biggest challenge is, and it's and it still continues to be my challenge. And I haven't thought of what the lesson is that I've learned yet. But uh, we grew this company in the 80s and the 90s before there was an internet, mm-hmm. and. We grew it the traditional way and the right way, where all of our data was standardized, all descriptions had a format, and it was all verbatim out of Ford and General Motors parts texts. And if you've ever been a parts man in a parts department, you would know that the descriptions are written in a certain order, and it's all standardized, and, and it's all the same for a certain uh, category of parts. And so that's how we built and we're talking tens of thousands of records. In fact, right now we're up to 125,000 different SKUs that we have to manage. Along comes the internet, which changes the way that you're supposed to describe things and the way that you're supposed to you know, lists the applications and turns it upside down and on its head. And now the correct way of doing it is to do it in a conversant way such that the Google search engine optimization will pick up people's searches. And when people search for things, they do it the way that they would speak. They use a lot of slang. They misspell stuff. But if you're (laughs) not, if your products aren't pinging on that Google search engine, uh, you're dead in the water. Not only that, I always thought when when our competitors started to put their stuff online and trying to sell, sell online, I, I was like, this is insanity because there is so many mud holes and potholes that enthusiasts will step in because they're just not aware of what they're doing and what the, you know, and what the compatibilities are between this part and that part and whether or not their build date was before or after a certain time. I always thought to myself, this, this is too complex of stuff mm-hmm. to be selling without having a human conversation, a back and forth exchange, asking questions about your car and everything else. I always was adamant that selling on the internet was beneath our standards mm. and that our customers deserved better than that and that we were not going to lead them like a Pied Piper to a very compromised, lousy way to order restoration parts. You really need to get it on the phone, make mm-hmm. a phone call and talk talk sure. to a professional who knows their parts and can help you out. Anyhow, I was wrong.
0: Yeah, the world the world kind of flipped its rules on you, didn't it?
1: I was wrong, but I will say to this very day, july twenty twenty that I wasn't a hundred percent wrong. I was maybe sixty percent wrong <laughs> okay. maybe seventy percent wrong <laughs> because I am sitting on the front lines watching firsthand people ordering parts by themselves for themselves on our website and on all of my competitors' websites and constantly slapping my foreheads at all the mistakes and the steps and they're buying cruddy quality this when they could have upgraded to the better quality of that, but they didn't know because it didn't show up on the search they did on the website. I have a front row seat to the chaos that is people ordering their parts online. And hobbyists these days go through so much more heartache because <laughs> yeah. of what they don't know about the parts business and all the different events. People too often, and it's very, very false, assume that's All the same stuff. Everybody's carrying the same reproductions from the same factory overseas. It's just a matter of who you buy it from, Mm. and that is not the truth. It is so far from the truth. Are there some items where there's only one common manufacturer? Yes, but I'd say that is the maybe thirty or forty percent of the reproduction market,
0: Mm.
1: and then you got the whole other seventy, the sixty to seventy percent. And your your final product is going to reflect your decisions as far as that goes. So we have been ever since I finally realized, oh holy cow, we got to get online. We got to do it now. We've been doing it in a way where we've kind of been learning from our competitors' mistakes, figuring out its it's one of those deals with tech where you never want to be on the bleeding edge because when you're on the bleeding edge of technology, you, you also bleed. Uh, You know, <laughs> you bleed. take all the punches, <laughs> yeah. and everybody else learns from your mistakes. So we've yeah. been trying to learn from others' mistakes and figure out a way to do it that makes sense, that's simple to for us to maintain, and it's been working out very well. Our website performs very well for us. I'm sure there's people listening going, "Well, it's not as good as so and so's website," and I know it's not. But we build it all in house. Our whole entire IT department. His house. Wow. I got control over it. I don't have to worry about a contract lapsing with some third party and all of a sudden I don't have any source code for my website. Uh, we do have control, but that's been my biggest challenge is making this business, which was so customer service in my mind, was so customer service critical, and doing it facelessly on a website. And we're, we're still working with that. I still think that if people would have a paper catalog in front of them and be talking to somebody on the phone, uh, their, their experience would be, uh, they would be shocked at how much they're missing while they're just sitting there staring at pictures online.
0: Yeah, boy, the world has changed. That's for sure. So having done a catalog before and gone through that, in my case, with the car care industry and trying mm-hmm. to help people understand how to properly use car care products and select which ones work for them uh, without that interaction, I understand, 100%. It, was, it right. was very painful as well. Well, I appreciate you walking us through that. Life's a learning adventure, that's for sure. And we're learning every day. So uh, every day gets a little bit better, and then they change the rules on us. So right, that's the way it goes. We're going to take a short break, catch our breath here, and we come back. I'm going to talk a little bit with you about your personal passion for cars, your involvement with vehicles. So sit tight, and we'll be right back. American Collector's Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI. Yeah, that's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collector's Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must read whether you dream of owning a collector car. Maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. And don't miss my weekly podcast with Keith Martin titled Buy, Sell, Hold. It's the essence of collecting. We talk to the movers and shakers in the collector car world. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah!, if you use the checkout code CARSYEAH, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from CARSYEAH. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at CARSYEAH for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive related events, car shows, and drives. Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down. From generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible! To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. Okay, Rick, we're back. I'd like you to tell me a story that instigated your personal passion for cars, old cars. You've got a few in your garage. You heard that in my intro. Holy cow. Oh, what was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, you know what, I'm a car guy?
1: Uh, being born.
0: Being born. <laughs> okay, the first the first ride home from the hospital.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, holy cow, let me just... You tell you, you know, I won't be such as uh, so lengthy as I've been thus far, but I mean, my dad, when uh, when he was 14 years old, he bought his first car, which we still have in our collection. It was a 1928 Model A that he wow. drug out of a junkyard for $50 and restored while he was in high school. Cool. But he had been yammering and hammering on my grandfather to do that years prior to that. My dad, ever since he was old enough to walk, wanted was crazy about cars and wanted to restore a Model A for himself. So, uh Going on forward, he got into the T-Birds. He was a car guy all through the 60s. I was born in 1967, driven home from the hospital in a 1967 GTO. The other car in the family was a 67 Riviera. And all through my entire life, from the day I was born forward, I was going to car shows with the family, watching Dad buy cool cars, and sometimes, and you all times, having to sell them, because back then, we didn't have the the, the idea of collecting was a pipe dream, yeah. not a reality. Yeah. But uh, ever since I could remember, I was one of those kids who prided himself on being able to uh, recognize the year, make, and model of any car on the road at night nice. just by looking at the taillights glow. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of how, how it was. Everywhere we were going, I was in the backseat daydreaming about the cars that were around me, uh, looking out the window to see if I could see something exciting. And uh, and it was in me from day one.
0: DNA, as we call that. Well, what was your first really special vehicle in your life? You've had so many, but that first one that really had great meaning for you.
1: My first special vehicle had two wheels. Two? And oh, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, it was a uh, uh, 1978 XR80. Uh, I got it as a birthday present after lots and lots of begging um, <laughs> uh, when I was that would have been my 11th birthday.
0: Oh my God and wow.
1: uh and uh that started me off in a love of riding dirt bikes that lasted my entire life and really only kind of hit the sunset when my uh my when my last my youngest daughter was born, and then I had uh you know three girls in the house and the the weekends that I could just take off and get away with friends and go riding was, was gone. Somewhat evaporated. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but uh, that was, that was a love all my my life of riding the uh, dirt bikes. And also the same thing. I taught my girls how to ride a dirt bike because at an early age, then, you know, all of a sudden you know how to, to to drive something with a manual shift yeah and uh, transitioning them because uh, cause that's another rule in my household is as soon as uh, any of the ladies uh, reach average driving age and I only got one left to go and she's already learned how to do it is nice. everybody gets a stick shift car as their first car.
0: Did that with my kids as well.
1: Yeah, no, no texting and driving when you got a stick shift and none of that nonsense. You just got to concentrate and drive. So, and, and their boyfriends don't know how to drive them, so I know that they're not <laughs> going to take the car out and j- go joy riding with their buddies. So, uh. yeah,
0: yeah, no, I, I, I do the same with my kids. Well, mm-hmm. the XR eighty, what a great bike! Because uh, in those years, those were my high school years. I had friends that we did a lot of dirt bike riding. I remember those very well. They were pretty cool. I also rode the Yamahas, the classic yellow with the black stripes on them and so forth, but the Honda was pretty neat.
1: Yeah, the Honda was a four-stroke, so uh, the Yamahas would just dust me out on the track, but uh, I didn't have to fool around with mixing the oil with the gas and all that other nonsense.
0: Exactly. Well, my first dirt bike was actually a a Honda Trail 70. Remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, my dad and mom bought, my sister and I each one. We used to go to Mexico, and we'd ride them up and down the beach until we'd run out of gas and made that mistake once when I was probably three miles down the beach and it died. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, my sister brought me back some gas. But uh, yeah, the XR80, what a cool bike. Well, Well, here's a bit of an introspective question. I know you've been on a podcast and you've been in interviews before, but I'll bet nobody's ever asked you this. If you woke up tomorrow and you are manifest as a vehicle, could be a bike, could be a car, a truck, whatever it might be, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as that vehicle, what would Rick schmidt b
1: and why oh boy you answer this question you really run the risk of being perceived as a huge narcissist because if you well, if, if, if the if the vehicle is some fast <laughs> sexy beautiful valuable that's all I, you know
0: no harm no foul uh
1: i i have a very soft spot in my heart and i just think and I don't think it's being too boastful about myself, but I think it's a 67 GTO.
0: Oh, a goat. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. 1967. I was driven home from the hospital. And to this day, I've got a beautiful uh, Tyrell Blue HO 4 Speed 1. The, they're They're an attractive car, but they're also a car that can do everything. It's got a big trunk, so it's practical. It's got nice rear seats for taking friends places. It goes like hell. It handles; those cars handled really great for their time. That yeah. A-body platform, GM platform, is fantastic. There's not a bad thing that you can say about a, a '67 GTO. It's not the best at any one thing, mm-hmm. but it's uh, but it's pretty good over the entire range of ways you measure things, and that's yeah. hopefully how I feel that that I would be, you know, judged. That when i'm gone <laughs>
0: yeah and i don't think that's boastful i think that's a good answer so very well thought through all right we are entering what i call the last lap i'm gonna fire off a series of questions have you give us some quick blips of that gto throttle oh they sound so good so here we go would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life over the years
1: try my best to be pleasant to others
0: Mm, nice.
1: I've I found in business that uh, that uh, no matter how cheap the price is or good the quality of the parts, that if people think you're an asshole, they're going to go somewhere else. So I really I really try to uh, you know, to, to do my best to 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 where people, you know, hopefully think that I'm a pretty good guy too.
0: Well there's a lot to be said for the golden rule, do unto others, as you would have them do unto you. If the whole world would do that, right. I think we'd all be a lot happier, that's for sure. True. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be and why?
1: That's simple for me. I, I would go big, Henry Henry Ford. Okay,
0: yeah, there you go. You know, yeah. I don't think
1: there's anybody who was more of a maverick, uh, more of an intellectual, uh, more quotes that were just brilliant than that guy.
0: Yeah, incredible what he did. That's the most. Uh, that answer is what I hear the most from everybody. The second most. Is Carroll Shelby, so there's another Ford guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, there you go. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever offered you? What would that be?
1: Um, it's kind of a tie, but it also ties to the same, you know, goal: is is uh, always buy the best quality that you can afford. Yeah. And uh, and also always beware what you can't see. Uh, uh, yeah. So much because having amassed a collection of over 200 vehicles, believe me. I've been bitten a few times by what I couldn't see, Uh, you know, and that's really what happens. That's why I love, my father loves the very ultra low mile unrestored survivor vehicles. Mm -hmm. Because the factory did a great job. You buy a restored car, it might have trophies that fill the trunk. It might have won this national show and that concourse. But man, once you have something that you need to fix and you start pulling things apart and see what left behind yeah, or yeah. botched together underneath the shiny paint and the beautiful show chrome and it just makes you cry so uh but wear what you
0: can't see my son spent a summer working in a restoration shop when he was in high school and they had him working on a daytona ferrari now he never, oh, wow. he never worked on anything before and he came home and he goes well today they told me to just start taking the headlight buckets out of the front of this car and i said well you've never done that how'd you do it and he goes well i asked my my boss and he just said We'll just do it. And so I just started doing it, but he, he, he made the comment. He said, I don't know what those Italians were thinking when they built this car, but it sure looks pretty on the outside. But when you get under the skin, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it was a joke. He said one side didn't match the other and the welds were all really bad. And he said, I couldn't believe how bad it was under there. And I said, Well, you know, beauty's only skin deep sometimes, so <laughs> there you go. Well, how about a resource? There's so many great resources these days. I'm I'm guessing a really great resource would be National Parks Depot. Of course, you know, that's where I went when I had my American car. Uh, Is there another go-to for you? Maybe it's an app, a podcast, I don't know, something you seem to go to and over. It could even be a person in your life.
1: You know, all these, uh, and it's kind of an old print thing, but they're also got a brilliant site. But, uh, you know, uh, Hemings Motor News, anybody who doesn't know what Hemings Motor News has has been missing out on what's always been, Described as the encyclopedia of the car hobby. Sure. So uh, I think Hemmings is a is a I'll toss them yep. a bone there and say that uh, Hemmings is a hell of a resource that if uh, people aren't dialed into it, they should, especially for finding service providers. You know who do special things like rebuilding gauges or uh, or refinishing aluminum uh, anodized aluminum moldings and things
0: like that. Oh yeah, yeah. About everything you could ever find is there. Yeah. How about a book you've read, Rick? Is there a book you'd like to share with us that you really enjoyed?
1: I wish I could. <laughs> I am I am admittedly just not I, I I do enjoy reading. I just don't find the time for it. Yeah. And, I understand. You know, I just don't find the time for it where I can have, you know, two or three Quiet hours, uninterrupted hours to where I can open up a book and start going. I just I just uh ordered a book today though that I'm going to burn through one way or the other just because I heard the interview on it and it's right up my alley. It's in the new book from Adam Carolla, uh that's uh, titled what is it titled, uh I'm I'm your uh I mean um, worst
0: nightmare or something like that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> he's been a guest on the show and I'm I'm teasing but
1: Yeah, he's uh, I I'm your emotional support Avena, uh, animal navigating all our woke no joke cult culture, so.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I need to get my hands on that, too. You know, Adam is, is great. He's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, consummate car guy, vintage racer. I mean, great. Uh, but I love his approach at what's going on, especially what's going on in the world right now. He just has a different, from the outside of the Hollywood uh, groups, uh, different approach on things, which I think is great. He's got a great podcast, too, so I'll yep. make sure I put a list of Adam's new book on the show notes page here for Rick Schmidt. Uh, by the way, listeners, there's a place in the on the Cars.Yeah website called guest-recommended books. There's over 1,600 books in growing there, including this will be Adam's new book that is there as well. i made it really easy for you to get your hands on those. And one thing I'll pass on to you, Rick, I, I kind of fell in the same trap of not having the time to listen to books, but my wife has really gotten me into audiobooks. And also, here's, a, here's an untapped resource that so many people don't know, your library. They will send you audiobooks for free. Any book you want,
1: I did not know that. Yes, my wife gets That's cool.
0: she gets a new book every day. She she's all I thought it was cuz she didn't want to listen to me. She got earbuds <laughs> She listens to books all the time. She has a backlog. If they don't have a book you want, you request it, they go get it. And it's all free. Your taxes are already paying for it. So support wow. your local libraries. It's incredible. And you can get videos from them too, for free. So uh, there's your big tip for the day. So, uh, Rick, you can find any book you want from your local library. Great
1: place. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass that on to my wife.
0: There you go. Absolutely. And she won't listen to you anymore like mine. But maybe that's a good <laughs> thing sometimes. I don't know. Well, and plus, you've got three other women in the house. So uh, bless you, my friend. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's a challenge. Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I I'm making it, though.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's all you can do. Oh, you're, you're very fortunate. I have a daughter. Girls are great. Little girls are great. They'll always be our little girls. All right. Mm-hmm. We're up to the checker flag here this last question this is going to be a tough one maybe for you it's because of the rules I applied to it I'm going to buy you any cool collector vehicle in the world if you want that old XR80 I'll buy you one if you want a Duesenberg I'll file you one whatever you'd like to have but here's the kicker you can only have one cool collector car so those 200 they all go away and you have to find one vehicle that ticks all the boxes for you you can't sell it to buy back the 200 cars with so that little trick's off the table what can I buy you today, Rick? How could you narrow down a collector car in your world?
1: That's not an easy challenge for no. a guy who likes variety like me. Yeah. A guy who, you know, is uh, driving something different just because I got to exercise the stuff almost yeah. on a every other day basis. Sure. Just one.
0: Yeah, we'll just say for today.
1: I tell you, going to give you two different choices because I, I, okay. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, I'll call it a, a bucket list dream of a car that is completely irrelevant and not in context with what I've collected all my life. And because I love variety and sometimes switching gears, I can just say that every time I've seen a beautifully colored and restored one of these at a show, I really lust after them. Oh, yeah. It's a 50s-era uh, Mercedes 300 SL. Oh, yeah. And probably the Roadster because the goal wings look a little bit claustrophobic and hot. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, a th- Mercedes 300 SL Roadster, because from what I have read and heard uh, from everybody, not only is it a beautiful thing to look at, but they are just mechanically works of art and uh, awesome to drive. And they just do everything well, because if i got to live with it the rest of my life, then I want to be able to enjoy it when I'm out on the road. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to get into something more practical or stick with the American made thing and forget about the fact that the Roadster is something, you know, in the millions of dollars, there's so many cliché. You know, wow, well, I'd use a big block Corvette or something like that. I would go for a car that's so hard to find if you'd want to go find it. I'd, I'd, I want a 67 Riviera GS. All okay. the options. Power windows, air conditioning, everything, buckets, console, black with a parchment interior.
0: Okay.
1: I've always dreamed of if, that if I found that car, I've got a really nice 10,000 original mile seafoam green Riviera. But it, I want a GS. Yeah. black with parchment interior all right in 30 years of looking i haven't found the right car yet so that's another one why i just throw it out there and say it's kind of a pipe dream
0: yeah well i'll tell you the mercedes i've had many people on, on this show and i do a second podcast with keith martin called buy sell hold where the we interview people who have careers in the automotive collecting world they could be auction houses or collectors or uh people that buy and sell vintage cars The car that keeps coming back when we ask them that question about a car that ticks all the boxes that if you walked in the garage, you'd always pick that one to go drive, whether it's to cars and coffee or on a tour or a rally to a car show. It's the SL. And the Go Wing, of course, yeah, probably for Florida, they're pretty warm inside. Windows don't roll down at all. Right. But the Roadster is awesome. And what I hear from everybody, and I've driven a Roadster, never. I've been in a Go Wing as a passenger, never got to drive one, but the the Roadster similar. They drive like a modern car almost, which is pretty phenomenal for a late Mm -hmm. 50s, early 60s SL, uh, or Mm -hmm. any kind of vehicle for that matter. And they're just built like a tank. So I guess if we had to narrow it down today, I'm going to pick the Roadster for you just because i'm kind of kind of lean towards old european sports cars that's kind of what i like but the
1: I would rather that you buy the Roadster for me and then I'll pay for the Riviera when I find it. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I think the, the check's going to have a little few more zeros on it, probably. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, okay. Well, that's okay. Because, I, you know, I offered to buy, so that's what I'll do for you. So, all right. I'll get to work on that for you. I've got a long drive from here down to Florida. You couldn't be further away from me, but that's okay. It'll be a cool drive. Lots <laughs> of fun for sure, and I'm sure that uh, Mercedes will get me there. Listen, Rick, you've given me a real fun ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know better i want to thank you for sharing your journey before i let you go though could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in either that 300 sl or that riviera gs
1: be honest with yourself mm. i okay. think that's the best secret to success i know is to uh in the morning when you're staring at yourself in the mirror before you walk off to go to work is to is to have that honest uh meeting with yourself uh with and have some humility You know, admit how you screwed up the day before and how are you going to make it better today. So uh, I see an awful lot of uh, people, you know, running off uh, on social media at the mouth about this, that or the other thing. And I think more introspection these days would uh, would benefit everybody.
0: Oh yes. Hallelujah to that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what's the best way for people to learn more about your business?
1: Uh, simple. Just go to our website. Uh, uh, either way, you can you can Google National Parts Depot. You can Google NPD. Just watch out because there's still an active sliver of crazy Nazis in Germany that also use that same a- acronym. Uh-oh. Okay. But uh, you want the ones that are listed as the restoration parts. And uh, our, uh, our web address is uh, NPD Link, the word link, L-I-N-K, all one word, npdlink.com, or just spell out the, the whole way, nationalpartsdepot.com. There you go. It'll take you to the same page.
0: Oh, yeah. They're easy to find. Check it out. If you've got an old American car, you want to get into American cars, these are the guys you need to have on your quick dial because uh, they're going to have everything you need. Uh, it's all going to be great. going to be fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Check it out. If you want to go there and see the number of parts they have, you better pour yourself a tall, long drink because you're going to be there a while. There is a lot to offer at NPD, a link, nationalpartsdepot.com. Rick, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. I hope you stay healthy and well, my friend. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Uh, Thank you, Mark. I just had a blast. It was a very enjoyable uh, interview and spending time with you.
0: This was fun. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund?